All right, getting started here, guys. And uh, as we get into what we're doing with Ned, it's funny because I, I really appreciate those guys bearing with us for the past few months, as I've been saying, as we haven't been in studio and hearing everything all compressed. It's nice to be back in studio and be able to do these reads and be able to do the show sounding as good as possible. So with that, CBD has become extremely popular in the past year. And as the market becomes more saturated, it becomes more and more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and product. That is where Ned comes in. They produce the highest quality CBD extracted from the finest organic hemp plants from a small homestead in the bountiful farmland of Paonia, Colorado. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. No isolates, no synthetic ingredients, full transparency. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, their extraction process, all right there on their site. Uh, Their full-spectrum hemp oil only contains their CBD extract and non-GMO MCT oil. That's it. It has a great taste that's clean and pure. And yes, CBD could be used as a sleep aid, also used to treat insomnia, post-traumatic stress, depression, uh, and just do your research. There's plenty to see right there on the site uh, if you're thinking of checking it out. And I should mention the latest thing that I got from Ned is their immunity blend. And this, I could tell you, is now something I am using every single day. It's a limited release. Uh, it's got all different ingredients in there, like elderflower and ginger and, and a lot of other ingredients that I wasn't familiar with. And when I did some research and Googled everything, there are plenty of benefits to all this stuff that you're really not getting in your diet. So uh, that's a big recommendation for me. And it tastes great. Everything at this point that Ned puts out, it, it has a great taste to it. Yeah, it, it's I, I got the immunity blend uh, from Rhett. I, I think it was last week and I, I gave it a shot. It's great. I, I I put it in my water, and that's what I recommend you guys doing. I tried it with not putting in water first, and uh, I have IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, and it, it was like, whoa, that's a little bit too strong. And so I and that's what I love about Ned too is I hit up uh, I believe it's her name's Brianna. It could be Brittany. I'm sorry, B out there. <laughs> She's the one that does the customer service, and you can ask her a question and email it to her, and she will get it back to you within 12 hours, if not even quicker than that. And I hit her up and said, hey, how should I be taking this? Because it's not really sitting with my stomach well. And she she said, hey, you just take it with water. Don't take it with uh, – and take it away from food. So give yourself a couple hours. So I did actually. I put it in my workout water. Nice. And it's awesome. And, yeah, you can tell. I mean it's – you you can always tell when you're getting the vitamins and the nutrients or – at stuff that maybe your body hasn't had over the years and you're getting it again, how much it picks you up. And honestly, it's, it's been fantastic. So guys, if, if you are having problems with anything that you're taking from Ned, don't hesitate to email their customer service, or if they're on at that time, they'll even be, a, you'll be able to DM them directly and they'll get right with you and they'll explain how to take something uh, when you should, when you shouldn't, and what you're trying to accomplish, what's the goal you're trying to accomplish with a certain product, and they'll help you even purchase those as well and guide you in the right direction. They're not going to try to upsell you. They're just going to put you in the right direction and get what you need, and it was awesome. So that's another plus with Ned, not just the products, but just their customer service aspect is outstanding, and and I found out with Immunity Blend when I got it and didn't know how to take it correctly, 
and she explained to me and now it's awesome. It's fantastic. And uh, I'm taking it every day. Like Ian, I, and yeah. it's, just, I mean, I'm already strong as a strong as a horse, <laughs> strong as an ox, <laughs> but it does make me feel a hell of a lot better. And after my workouts, I'm recovering quicker. So yeah. it's, well, it's fantastic. Yeah. I think just now more than ever, people are looking to stay healthy and that immunity blend has really come out at the right time. Uh, I personally have no problem taking it, you know, in it's concentrated form, but you know, everybody is going to have a different uh, reaction, yeah. but it's great stuff. So Ned, uh, as in the CBD, the, the immunity blend is not CBD, but the CBD will not get you high. Full spectrum hemp is a non-psychotropic and Ned products contain a minuscule amount of THC, less than 0.3% as allowed by law. So if you want to check out Ned and try CBD, try body butter, immunity blend, any of that, we have a special offer for the Battleline audience. Go to helloned.com slash Battleline or enter Battleline at checkout and you're going to get 15% off your order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Battleline to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. You guys are not going to regret it. Thank you, Ned. Uh, and also, of course, Fort Scott Munitions is with us pretty much every show. They are a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast, Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. Without further ado, let's get into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on, episode thirty nine already. Uh, and I am psyched to have on your friend, Matt Waters, for this episode. Uh, before we get to him, though, 
I uh, am nerding out a bit over David Silvera <laughs> posting, uh, yeah. putting pictures, sending to you, them to you in the Battleline podcast shirt and with the American flag behind him, which is so badass, holding your book, The Patriot's Creed. And my reaction, as I said to you when you sent me it, was if you could only tell 13-year-old me that, you know, seeing Corn at Madison Square Garden, that the drummer for Corn will one day be listening to your podcast and wearing the shirt of your podcast. I, as I said to you, I'd probably say, what the hell is a podcast? But once you explained that to me, because it was 1999, I would be pretty amped. Uh, that, isn't that cool? <laughs> and he did the, 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 as actually, uh, Dave is him and I have probably since the podcast would talk maybe once or twice a month. And, and also we've become friends. He's That's a so great cool. guy, tremendous individual, tremendously motivated. He's always out there. He calls me after he runs. He's one of the only guys like myself that will call when he's running or <laughs> after he's running. And that's, that's, it's amazing. And he, the, the dude is so patriotic. He, he loves the military. You know, he wants, and we were talking about this down the road, maybe going to together to, uh, to Walter Reed and seeing, seeing you know the the uh, injured service members there at walter reed and i was like man he's like what do you, do you think they think i should go i mean i'm like dude are you kidding me they're I gonna want to see awesome. the guy from corn not tonto <laughs> i don't know i think there's a lot of cross-section there man of guys yeah, who've dude. seen 13 hours and and rock out to corn i guarantee you well that's what i was like man that'd be awesome that's what I should, it's, it's gonna be such a great pairing but Let's just uh, get this because I don't even know if Walter Reed lets even how they're doing with visitors right now with all the with, yeah. and I don't even want to get into it, man. There's well, all the ridiculousness I was, going on. I, I was going to mention it later on, but I mean, I, I should I, if we're going to mention that, I should bring it up. Uh, Herman Cain, who you know, both of us are a yeah. fan of. Oh yeah, uh, Herman's a friend actually. Herman's a great. I've been on his show several times. Herman's a. I got stories we, we can say, but tell me about it. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, her, currently hospitalized with COVID nineteen, which is pretty troubling. I mean, b- being that he's a guy in his seventies, and uh, yeah. and also honestly being a black man because they are the most at risk population with this. So prayers for uh, Herman Cain. That was uh, I was you know pretty shocked to hear that yesterday. So well, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not downplaying it at all. Herman's a tremendous individual. I honestly. Uh, Speaker Boehner should uh, I shouldn't even call him Speaker Boehner. John Boehner's the one that uh, that wrecked his his presidential run. Honestly, I would I thought Herman King was going to be president. I I, th- I think he was on his well on his way, and his own party jacked him up. My opinion. That's my opinion. The views and opinions on this show don't always match the <laughs> same opinions of everybody else out there. But when I went and saw met Herman, and when I did Thirteen Hours and the movies going on, Herman's was one of the main shows I was on, and I got to know him and. Dude, the dude and his wife and they, his staff, the people that were in Georgia that worked with him and worked for him, I should say, too, because they did. I, they were the nicest people in the world. His wife was tremendous. And Herman took me in and I, it just he's like he's like the godfather, man. It really was. <laughs> Which is funny coolest. because it's godfather's pizza. <laughs> Isn't that, and that, and that's what I knew. It's like, oh, my gosh, you do a godfather's pizza. You were because he lived in Omaha. Because he had God, this is worse. The guys appeal, no, Godfather's Pizza and stuff. And they all originated here in Omaha. People don't realize how much money is in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, obviously Warren Buffett. But uh, there were so many people outside other than Warren Buffett that are gozillionaires here. And he was one of them. And I, that's how we got our, in, that's how I got my introduction with him. But after that, it was on his show, tremendous show. And the dude, um, and this is I'm I'm saying this as a positive. We went to his. He, he belongs to a country club there in Georgia. We said he said you want to go have dinner? Let's go. I mean you want to have lunch? I said well Herman I, I got to go do another interview in Atlanta. I got to get going. And he said no come have lunch. Come. So we went to the country club and have lunch. The dude 
Dude, I'm sorry, Rangers. The dude can drink all of us under the table. It was <laughs> unbelievable. The gin, this is the gin and talk he was putting down and still just staying the nicest, coherent, not blonde, belligerent, nothing. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And, and it was a, one of the greatest lunches I've had with during that time frame when all that was going on because the guy was real. He was tremendous, nicest guy in the world, and he could just pat, he was just throwing him back. And, and I don't condone drinking, guys. I'm not telling you youngsters to go out and drink at all. I'm just saying I was so impressed with with him and and just his demeanor and his his he just you could tell he enjoyed life. He yeah. just has had such a fun time with 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 life and he was just enjoying everything and the nicest guy in the world and the dude's a monster. He could be an outside linebacker. He's he's he's, he's huge. Yeah. So um no but but yeah, God bless you, Herman. If you're out there, um y'all prayers for you and and I hope you're doing hope you're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's Definitely nothing to take lightly for someone that age, and I I hope he gets through this, Um, and we pray that he does. So uh, I wanted to get to this email, of course, uh, because he sent this originally for the last show, but, you know, we're going to keep these going. Send any of your emails to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, guys, I know this email is late for the show, but maybe it can make it onto the next one, which it is. Uh, Ian, I know you're probably overrun with guest suggestions, but I was wondering if you still had to connect with Derek Gannon. I found his perspectives uniquely interesting, especially in this time as they pertain to the police, being law enforcement myself. Another interesting topic he had strong opinions on was the SFAB and was wondering how he felt about the SFAB taking over the Columbia mission, long attributed to 7th Group, who largely owned that counter-drug battle space. Also wondering if Tonto had an opinion on the latter or if he even cares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Say, keep... read, read that one more time. I don't know if I lost, missed something. Here. So read it one more time for me. He's asking sorry, about bro. the SFAB and was wondering how uh, Derek or you felt about the SFAB taking over the Columbia mission, long attributed to 7th Group, who largely owned that counter drug battle space. space. Um, uh, uh, I know uh, nothing about this. So, uh, Honestly, brother, the SFAB... In Columbia and drug, I I don't know. Any, I, I want to speak eloquently on it, but I can't. I can't. I don't speak eloquently anyway. But um, <laughs> brother, <laughs> whatever counter drug mission is going on down there, whoever needs to be in there, whether it's the group guys, which yeah, that's that's their battle space, or if you've got uh, military contractors or security contractors or government, brother, the war on drugs is never going to end. Um, it's it's not. It's just we we are the until people stop using, it doesn't. I'll be honest; it doesn't really make a difference to. And it does. It, it doesn't make a difference to me who's down there. It really doesn't because you're down there doing what you can. But it's not going. It's not. We're not making a dent into it. I'm being real realistic. I wish I could say, yeah, war and drugs are going to. No, it's not. Whether you, we legalize it all, we don't legalize it all. Whether we try to fight it with all the troops that we have, or, or we don't people in america want to use it and we're like the i think we are the biggest users oh, yeah. in the world yeah. of of illegal narcotic substances substances so until that stops then the it, then the war on drugs is going to end but that yeah. will not end because people have vices and not everybody likes to live clean i am i've been down that road before too and i think a lot of our listeners have and i think a lot of our guests have been down that road before too and you've got to find a way out of it but until that ends it really makes no difference who's down there fighting it. Um, I think the group guys would like to stay down there because Columbia working and I've worked in Columbia before. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's a great, what, do I want to go to Baghdad? Do I want to go to Bogota? Yeah, I'll go to Bogota a <laughs> hundred times over. And I think, I think every guy out there 
that's worked in those battle spaces would say the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Colombia because it's it's fun. If you speak Spanish, it's even it's even better. I mean, it's, it's almost like working. You're working in the United States. Honestly, whenever I worked in South America or Mexico or Central America, I felt just as home as when I was working in in on the East Coast or working in D.C. or working in Denver. I, it was home. I and mean, you have all those. So that being said, I know I, I know it doesn't answer the drug question per se. But that would be whoever is working there would would be having the most fun working down there. But we're not making a dent and we never will. And that's that's the realistic realism of it. And people want to say cry foul or say, oh, you're an idiot. Well, no, because Americans will continue to use illegal drugs uh, and will continue to use narcotics. And until that ends, there's never going to be a shortage of drugs out there. It's a business, yeah. man. It's a business. So he, he ends that one with uh, Keep Rocking, Adam K. And then he also wrote P.S. Still waiting for a Chief Beck show. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll address the rest of that. Um, Derek, yeah, Gannon, yeah. Derek Gannon was um, – I actually asked to come on the show, and he had to like bail out last minute. I will definitely get Derek on at some point. I mean, Derek is a great guy, great writer, and offers a very different perspective. I mean, Derek identifies himself as center-left, and he's former Green Beret. And I think most people in that community are not aligned with him politically. And I like talking to people who do come from a different perspective. And yes, he was always very opinionated on law enforcement. So it'd be interesting yeah. to get into that with him. As for uh, Kristen Beck, absolutely. There definitely seems to be a demand to have Kristen Beck on the show. Kristen is awesome and we'll definitely do it. I, I already could tell you that I know that if we have Kristen back on and I post some type of picture, there's always those people who have to say something stupid and and you know to those people i genuinely say go fuck yourself because <laughs> i you know I, I i it actually does piss me off man because whenever we would have Kristen back on it would be like oh you're uh advocating for this type of lifestyle or for transgenders in the military which i'm definitely not but Kristen beck like anybody else served in devgrew served in various seal teams and uh I have the utmost respect. doesn't mean I'm going to agree with Kristen on everything, but yeah, great person. And Kristen has also texted me when we started the podcast and said, you and Chris are patriots would love to come on. So yeah, uh, yeah I'd love to, I'd love to have her on. And uh, guys, I, if you're, if you are a God fearing person, don't, we aren't in any position to judge. None of us are, or any position to judge. Yes. I have opinions of two, Same but, here. When, exactly. but when it comes right down to it, the only person that's going to ever judge anything is God. And, you know, it, do I agree with, with, with what Chris, uh, Kristen did or uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. No, I, I don't, don't think I, I, yeah. I, no, I mean, that goes without saying, of course, but, but that being said, no, that's not, it's not my place to say if it was right or wrong. It's God's place to say it was right or wrong. And Kristen will know. And so will I, when we meet our maker, that's when he's yep. And that's it. But in the meantime, you respect me. I respect you. We'll move on. And, and that's just how it is. And, and yeah, she did serve. And with with transgenders or women in the military or so forth, you know, I don't mind that as long as the standards are upheld and they're not changed, because if they're changed for one, yeah. they are changed for all. And I said, and, and, and also let's let's keep in mind, Kristen Beck served as Chris, Beck. As, as Chris, you know, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Kristen Beck's opinions on transgenders in the military, a totally different thing. But I respect you know, the who was formerly Chris Beck, who served in the military, who served as a Navy SEAL, who worked on things that led to the bin Laden raid, um, who did a lot of interesting things with computers from interviews I've had in the past. And, 
Yeah, that's that's really um, what it boils yeah. down to, to me. Well, so. I'll give her shit just because she was a seal and she was always balancing <laughs> beach balls on her nose. I, that, I'll give that, that's <laughs> that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna rip any seal comes on because rangers always do that and seals do that to rangers too so that's that's rough uh, if i'm gonna hit her on anything it's like why'd you decide to go become a sorry ass seal so us rangers had could come and rescue you again whenever you got pinned down <laughs> and i guys you all you seals out there that you know what that's one thing you don't have to worry about seals unlike marines they don't get their their bristles all up in arms when you hear stuff like that they laugh it off <laughs> where marines actually get offended if you talk, if you said, "Hey, yeah, Marines, we always came and rescued you." Well, well we're always on the first on the beach, and it's a one upper thing going. The one difference, if you're in the community, seals, it's, we'll have a banter, but they never, they never get all bent out of shape. Where Marines do, if I said that to a Marine, I'm totally bent out of shape. <laughs> so, um, but I, I look forward if we to having having her on if she wants to come on and and. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about those things, and but yeah. you're right, we don't have to agree, and you and I don't agree on a lot. No, of stuff. And I, and I don't say a lot. I say about a quarter of the stuff we don't agree on. A lot of I don't. I don't do. even think it's a quarter, man. I, I think it's maybe five percent of things. You know, I think for the most part we see pretty eye to eye. But yeah, no, I'm, but there's I'm, stuff. Yeah, of course, and I like talking to people that I'm I'm not going to always uh, align with. Um, oh, you know what I wanted to mention too. Also, is that even though we're taping this on Friday for the audience. They've already enjoyed their Fourth of July, so I hope you guys uh, enjoyed. It's it's definitely a different Fourth of July than we've had in the past, but um, I I'm hoping you guys got to spend time with family, fireworks, all that good yes. stuff. And you're probably gearing up for it now because, as I said, we're recording <laughs> Friday. Get, blow some stuff up, guys. Have fun and enjoy yourselves. Have some barbecue. I hope I hope you did. Had a lot of had a lot of barbecue. Actually, I'm not even going to drink a beer, and I rarely drink anymore. So yeah, we'll have a good time, brother. Good, good Fourth of July. What's uh, what's like your beer of choice when you do drink, dude? I am a, I am not a heavy beer guy. Don't I like my normal Bud Light, man? That's it. Okay. Like, ah, I'm not a light dark guy. I'm not a microbrew guy. Um, I, no, I just I feel like ah, oh, you can't even taste it. I can taste it just fine. <laughs> and honestly, I don't want to taste too bitterness. Um, I do like some light beers microbrews that are that are light and i i don't know then i just i have to taste it when i'm at a brewery but for me brother I, i'm the standard i like coors light and bud light and i'm good with that even man michelob ultra i like those man I, they're, they're just good light tasting beers and they're hard on my they're not that hard on my gut but for that being said, are you a microbrew guy? Are you, are no, you a, I don't, a taste of beer? I'm in the same boat as you in that I don't drink enough to even have that yeah. much of an opinion on this. I, you know, I used to, but uh, I, if they're, you know, like when I went to the driving range the other day, if there's like a good summer ale on tap, I'll I'll try it. But I literally will drink once a year, and I'm like, all right, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, and I'm, I'm done. I'm the same way. Yeah, I'll have it with the barbecue just because I'm, I'm kind of oh, feeling yeah. for a beer. And after I run, if I sweat out a ton, I love to have a beer after. It kind of puts carbs back in you. So, um, but bro, I'm not a big, not a huge, not a huge drinker. I know a lot of my buddies are, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I have one or two, but we'll, then we'll call it quits at that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have Matt Waters on. T- very inspiring story from this guy. You are all really going to dig what he has to say and and what he's been through and what he's accomplished and overcome. Uh, yeah. Before we get to Matt, of course, want to let you all know that Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. 
they're with us throughout this whole show and really keep us doing what we do. Their, uh, their ammunition is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. It was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. And with, with everything going on, man, have you been making it to the range as often as usual? Or Oh, yeah. Actually, I just got back this weekend. I did. I, I work with a training company. Actually, I, I'm, I'm one of their one of their faces called Mantis, Mantis X. It's a, tach, it's a dry fire training system. But it's also a live fire training system. I was in Kansas City at the uh, uh, at a rifle range and doing a doing a commercial. But I probably oh, yeah. shot five, Tanya told me that. Yeah, that was awesome. So Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. And I know when you were out there, that's what you're shooting. Yeah, I was it, always shooting for just got good stuff and got a couple other ranges coming up here in the near future that we'll be using them. And you're always plenty of pictures. And if you haven't tried for Scott, do give it a shot, literally. And I, I promise you, you're going to stay with it. You won't go to anything else. So joining us for the first time on Battleline podcast, Matt Waters, medically retired Army Ranger who actually served in second Ranger bat with Tonto, lost his leg in combat from an RPG in Iraq. And is now a bomb tech, crazy enough, with a police department. I'm not going to say which because I know we spoke about that earlier. But uh, really excited to have you on, man, and, and learn about your story and also learn about your background serving with Tonto because I know that you're someone that, that you, Chris, speak very highly of. Yeah, well, Matt, sorry, Matt, he's, he was way ahead of me, though. I was a private. He was already tabbed out when I got there, so... I was just a peon when I when when I was there. I was just a little peon to him, so I looked up to him though. And, and he's another ginger. I don't know what's up with Ranger Battalion. We just get gingers <laughs> left and right. We got if you didn't know that, Ian, just like Luke, just like Marty, just like uh, Jack, and now we got Sergeant Waters here. Every one of them is a ginger. I don't know. I think we recruit in Ireland. I think that's how it works. It's part of the requirement. I don't know how. And then we get a few Mexicans up at second bat. So. So, <laughs> yeah, you try to find the folks with no souls, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, tell us because we we have tons of guys that are th- that listen that want to join men and women that want to join the military. And because of my past and I speak highly of the 75th Ranger Regiment, um, you know, they're interested in. So uh, if you wouldn't mind telling a little bit of your backstory and, and then why you joined and then, you know, going up because real I did I came in when you're already tapped out when I got there that mm-hmm. second time so maybe your experiences I th- people love to hear our experiences as privates getting basically hazed back in the day and I know you and you can say that yeah. on this show so would you go oh, yeah. into that a little bit before we even get into the 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 uh, the stuff you know as much as you want to talk about in, in Iraq and then you know just it's to me it's always amazing that how you and, and the job you chose after range battalion what happened to you to me that's your motivating factor to me so i want to get in all that in if we can within the next hour well thanks man i uh 
honestly, I was just a dude that needed a job once, uh, once I left <laughs> the military, you know? Um, so, but yeah, we'll get to that in a few. Um, so let's see. Uh, I was born in California. Uh, my dad was LAPD. I grew up as a cop's kid. My mom was in real estate. Um, and then when my dad retired from LAPD, I think 22 years, um, we moved up uh, to Washington state and, uh, I finished elementary school, uh, middle school, high school, all that stuff. And that's where I joined the army from. Um, did you take a rip contract right off the bat? Did is that what you decided right off? You you took the, it was still called the rip at the time. I think it's option 40 now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, was it like 11 x-ray? Was that the contract? That, uh, there was 11 X with the rip or if it was 11 x-ray yeah. and then those guys were the SF babies, which no, no, that, not yeah. that. It was something like that. I can't remember. I, option 40 wasn't, a, I don't think that was a thing. I think it was yeah. Alex, yeah, 11 x-ray with a, uh, a guaranteed try at rip. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So when I was in high school, um, we actually had a family friend that had been, uh, at second bat. And I really looked up to him and he was going to Eastern Washington university at the time. And, uh, I really looked up to him like a big brother and my senior year. Yeah. I mean, I'd known him since I know I was a little kid, but, uh, anyway, he was uh, going to college in my town and, uh, junior year, senior year, I started hanging out with him a lot more and just a dude. I mean, like a Rangers Ranger, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Chris, (laughs) that guy, you're just like, Oh my God, this guy's the coolest. Um, so, and he, he kept me under his wing, you know, and treated me like a little brother. And I just heard his stories and saw how he acted. And I was like, yeah, that's for me, you know, jump out of airplanes, blow shit up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yep. And you know, my parents had been saving, uh, money for a long time, or at least they told me were, you know, for me to go to college. And about that point in school, I was just like, I'm not a school kid. You know, I, I go because I have to, my grades, I never really applied myself. Um, so I was like, yeah, if I go to college, I'm just going to end up wasting my parents' money. So, you know, I was talking to my buddy, <laughs> you know, and hanging out with him. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's for me, you know, sneaking around in the bushes and playing with guns and <laughs> explosives. Um so then, uh, yeah, I ended up joining right as I turned 18, uh, delayed entry program. And then I had the summer off and then I reported for duty. I think it was October 1st. Oh, you had, you had good time then. I mean, it got a little chill, yeah. but you're bending, bending honestly at a perfect time. At least to start right. off the bat. Yeah. Perfect. Weather. Yeah. Especially coming from the Northwest. Yes. Uh, oh Lord. It was still warm and humid and all that, but it wasn't like, you know, that, oh my God, heat and. Like going you know, out in the sauna, stuff. yeah. Like right, training exactly. in, a, in a in a dry in a wet sauna for yeah twenty four seven. Yep. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. It even snowed on us uh, at Whoa. Benning in December. Yeah, which we thought was all cool until the the drill sergeant was like, "Okay, now it's time to go outside and roll around in it." And it, was just, <laughs> it was just like a dusting, so it ended up with you know a big mud grass. Mud pit. <laughs> yeah. So you know, one of the little things that you know a joyful thing you think as a kid, but that the army can take and go. Yeah, guess what? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make it miserable. It's right. But, that, right. but that's how that's how it was back in the day. When did you go through basic training again? What years was that again? Was that ninety uh, seven? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I think I graduated January ninety eight. Yeah, and so it was still they they really that they hadn't. I, I know when the first time I went in was ninety five and. And then when I came back in again and did it in 99, you could tell there was that difference that it actually had become softer. But I think really the stress car, I should call it the stress car generation. 
I don't think it came in until after 90, right around 97 is, is when it started to apply at Jackson. And then it started to filter down into Benning. And uh, yeah, and so, we never saw that. Yeah. So, so it, was there any remarkable uh, stories you could talk about or anything that happened at basic where you showed up and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe drill sergeants can still do this, you know, because you, you always hear horror stories. You think of the full metal jacket, Arlie Ermey sort of. And I, I, honestly, I had a couple of those when I first went in in 95. Sure. Did you have anything like that with a drill sergeant where you just like, holy shit, I better mind my P's and Q's because this is this is for real. No, I mean, there was nothing like uh, like <laughs> I'm in fear of my life type thing. I mean, there was that that general like I'm in a different environment. I need to act accordingly. You know, I know I'm joining the military. The military is about discipline and uh, respect. And, you know, that was that was already instilled in me. I mean, my dad was a um, a Vietnam Marine. And uh, oh, wow. hearing, yeah, hearing his stories about uh, boot camp, I mean, you want to talk about getting throttled. I mean, they would straight up uh, punch you, you know, and, and yeah. do some other things. Like my dad saw one of his buddies. Um, they, he pissed the DI off and the DI somehow scooped up the dude. He was a smaller dude, scooped the dude up, grabbed him by his feet and started bonking his head on the pavement. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Honestly, I, I think a lot of that, if it's, it's, it is necessary. Sometimes I, I remember in 95 when I had a kid from New York city that smartered off to drill sergeant Charles. I remember our drill sergeant. He was tabbed. He was a former third back guy. And he, uh, he came across a desk and he leveled him just, and there was yeah. my second day in, and we were out of 30th AG. So we'd always move into our, into two, five, eight. And I remember that. And I remember he came across and just nailed him. And my eyes went open. Cause like, I was thinking to myself, wait a second. I thought they couldn't do this shit to guess anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, but it did. You're right. It, it got that into which you grew up with. I didn't grow up with that. My dad was a disciplinary, but he wasn't a Vietnam Marine. But I grew, yeah. it was like all of a sudden, like okay, I I I got to get my shit together, and I better I this is this is whoa, this is not what I expected. My my recruiter said they couldn't hit us anymore, and here I see it. But it was it was so necessary because a kid from New York City, I mean, smarted off to the drill sergeant, and it, it was deserving. And uh, but it stayed yeah. in the office. Nobody saw it except for three of us, and nobody said a word. Right. But yeah, yeah, bro, I'm, I you know. When you finished, uh, you know, basic, we're in you airborne school. Rip, how was Rip? And, and I think talking about Rip is essential too, because <laughs> people in the Rip, nobody really understands that Rip is not Ranger School out there. And oh, as much yeah. as no, I, I say still, it, yep, I was still explaining that to somebody yesterday uh, or the day before. You know, they're like, oh yeah, so that person's going to go to RASP and. And then they get their tab, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not Let's how it works up here. And I've, I've explained it, you know, uh, to the point now where it's like you quit explaining it so in depth. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my cousin's a ranger, and he's at Fort Drum. You're like, like, okay. And you just, you're, and that's where you just don't want to break their bubble. You don't want to burst the bubble. Right. And I do the same thing. Like, yeah. Uh, Okay, good, good job. I right, tell him, tell him, be safe and thanks for his service. And yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how was, I, th- I think how, that goes to, um, I, and I've mentioned on the show something Nick Irving once said to me as, as someone who was like a layman yeah, kind of yeah. coming to this community who's not a veteran, but unless you're in Ranger Battalion, you are not a Ranger, seems to be what the consensus is, right? That, yeah. that is accurate. I'll, and I, 
Maddie, Sam, Maddie has always been Sergeant Waters there. I, I, I love, and I always knew him as Maddie. Always, everybody in the, in the battalion yep. or in the company called him Maddie. And, and I could, when I got my tab, I was able to call him Maddie. Before that, it was specialist. Always, and but, um, and, but you with with that real ranger, it is. You, I would always say that too, And you you don't want to be a fence because because ranger school is not not easy. It's not a it's no, no joke. No. You're not downplaying it, but you're not a real ranger unless you've got that scroll and that tab. And, and that's, I don't know, Maddie, put, put your opinion in, put your two cents in there, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get that thing where it's like, Oh yeah, he's a ranger. And you try to explain it. And like you just said, you want to burst people's bubble because there are those family members out there that are extremely proud of their, you know, uh, of course, their service member. Um, you know, and then I think the only time I'd really challenge it is if, somebody who was in was telling me that, Oh yeah, I was a ranger. And I had that when I was a cop, I had that happen a few <laughs> times. Um, people telling me that they were in, in, in ranger battalion. And this is the time when they spun up like, um, like the support companies and yeah, whatnot. And yeah. Guy, yeah. 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 I'm a ranger. And I was like, Oh really? What do you do? He's like, well, I'm a rigger. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what, how did you handle that? man? I, I guess you, you're always, again, I, I, I didn't see us Man. jumping down their throats like some of the, but w- when you, when you got that, did he know that you were, you're from second bat though? Did he have any idea? No. No, no. That's uh, how it is. You want to sneak in, right? You want to kind of lurk in and figure out where, all right. Well, honestly, I'd, I'd start dropping like the heavy hits, you know, or not the, the, the heavy hints like, Hey, you know, Oh, so were you an echo company? You know, I mean, some knowledge that somebody, uh, your average street cop isn't going to know. So I'm kind of yeah. hinting like, Hey, I kind of know what you're talking about <laughs> and you might want to be 100% want, truthful now. Yeah. You, you might want to back up. Be careful. I mean, especially right. I would think that <laughs> if you're, if you're saying this stuff and then it, you find out that you're talking to a guy, not only served in Ranger battalion, but lost a limb in combat, you're going to feel pretty stupid. Yeah, it depends on how much alcohol they had on board. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, I can't tell you, like, at the height of the war, because um, I got out in, in 2000, when was it? It was 03, 04 is when I finally, they finally retired me, you know? So, 06, 7, 8, 9, you know, I'm still, I'm a street cop working the streets, and I can't tell you how often I heard it, you know, um, what the F have you done for your country? And I'm like, oh, God. I'm about sick of hearing this, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, uh, hey, wow, I just met the army of one. The one guy that's carrying the whole war on his shoulders is here <laughs> in my town. Awesome. No one else has done anything ever. It's, it's you. Thank you, sir. It, it, isn't it? Isn't it unbelievable? And, and but that being said, and, and Matt, what I got when I was and as a private there and watching and, and Maddie was one of the tab spec fours at the time, which at battalion, you're a team leader. If you're a tab spec four. You're, you're equivalent, at least to the younger guys that aren't tabbed yet. You're you're an E5. You're 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 now tab spec force. Once you become a tab spec four, you don't have that responsibility as a as an E5 as a TL. But a lot of those tab spec yeah. force get in leadership positions, and they're supposed to be addressed as such. And when I remember coming in and seeing Maddie, and and you can tell, I I think you can get it by the way he talks is that he was always one of the ones that would think and use his head and not just fly off the handle if we screwed up. And then you had ones that would just fly off the handle and just wanted to smoke, smoke and just haze the living shit out of you when, like, I, when, when you were a private, which is necessary. 
But, you know, Manny's always one that I saw as, and one of the guys I looked up to him, you and Specialist Bach was another one that, yeah. you, know, you know, that, that would always, you know, you, you respected them, but you respected them not because it was out of fear or they were going to, they were going to make you do pushups and smoke your ass till you puked, die. It was, these guys know what the hell they're talking about. Listen to them. And they're going to be nice to you until it's time not to be nice because you've pushed the envelope too far. Um, and, you know, that was one of the things that, that I always looked up to being a private and, you know, made me made me look up to guys like yourself. And you were in one of the best platoons, too, there at Battalion. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you guys, you had Cassavant, you know, rest in peace him. He was he, yeah. he was a Blackwater with me. But you had Lieutenant Taylor over there, which mm-hmm. former Delta guy. And, we, and you had Wheeler. And Wheeler, I, I, I still remember... Bro, I still remember Wheeler getting pissed off at me and smoking me when I beat him on that Baton Death March team run, and I was untapped <laughs> at the time. He, but I loved him, and he—I I still regret to this day when he asked me to to be his to when I got my tab to come over because he was getting a squad to be his team leader, and I decided to become an officer. I honestly, I because I, I looked up immensely to him. He's such the motivated, motivated individual. I just just tr- yeah. motivated. 24 7 but that was your platoon you guys had like an all-star platoon over there yeah no that was uh that was one of the best platoons um in my opinion in the entire regiment at that time yeah Um, yeah. obviously i don't have you know first and thirds uh perspective but uh you know that was that was one hell of a platoon well yeah and you had leroy too you had petrie as well you know, put oh that yeah, in. that guy's okay. He's alright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, we, oh, well, moving on, bro. You know, get into it and battalion. And I, I know, you know, I don't know how hard it is for you to talk about. I know you went through your ups and downs, and we can get into that a little bit. Yeah. But can you tell tell a little bit about the, the mission of what happened? And, and and I know you've probably said it a million times. I feel you, brother. I, you get out there and speak too, and do it. You're 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 public speaker every once in a while, and and you tell your story to people. But if you can, for the listeners, because really this 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 show is all about overcoming adversity. And to me, you epitomize that as what you're doing now. But can you get into the to that day a little bit and and what was yeah. going on? And um, absolutely. I mean, I have no problems talking about that. We didn't uh, we didn't talk about rip. You were asking me about that. Well, uh, throw throw in the rip a little bit then before we get to it. Yeah, okay. definitely. I mean, that's where you know you got that asterisk at the end of rip where it's like experiences may vary. Um, you know, for everybody <laughs> and everyone, you know, everyone asks like, well, what's rip like, what's rasp like? And I was like, well, I can't attest to what rasp is like, but rip, I mean, in, in my opinion, uh, rasp is putting out, oh, based off what I've heard and read, uh, rasp is putting out a way more professional ranger. Not that oh, we, yeah. we weren't, but rip was basically three weeks of getting your ass kicked. You didn't learn a damn thing. Yeah, you did. No. that's all it was. That's it. That's you, you. But we had that training time to, to figure that out. Right. We yeah, we joined the, the peacetime army. Yep. Yep. You yep. know, and it was, hey, you're we're going to put you through this, and then we're going to kick you to your battalions, and then they'll pick up, uh, they'll pick up the training for you. Um, and Rip, I mean, I didn't have the thing where um, we ran from airborne school to uh, Rip. Uh, to we rip. actually got picked up. Oh man, what's going on with that? <laughs> That's why I said, you know, the, uh, experiences may vary, you know. So hey, I missed hey, out on the on the, the, on, the run, run. on the run yeah, in, in your in your there. in your damn army. You don't even have jungle boots yet. You got to run over in your damn 
millet in your oh, damn regular yeah. army leather boots. Hey, for, right. for all of you that don't know that when you rip from airborne school to rip, there are it, it varied by class and it varied when they pick you up at rip at airborne school. You, they sometimes if if you did things right, they you did you, you rode in the deuce and a half over there, or did you actually ride in mm-hmm. cattle cars? And so yeah, you deuce could and deuce and a half, you could throw your stuff and, do, and they drive you there. Or if they didn't like you, or, or a, a rip instructor had a bad day, maybe his yep. girlfriend broke up with him the night before. They'd make you run. Is, <laughs> is it about a mile? Is it three quarters of a mile? I mean, it's not super far. It's it's it's, it's no. It's just it just sucks because sometimes you have to carry your bags to you, if, or a lot of times, you, or you can throw them on. It's just it does it does vary. But I, I'm sorry, bro. Keep going because I you're bringing up memories because I'm remembering both times. Yeah. I, <laughs> this podcast is gonna be in like six hours. About <laughs> <laughs> some beers. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, and then I really honestly don't remember a lot. It was three weeks. It was that many years ago, but there was nothing significant other than I remember. This was, you know, I mean, you go through basic, you go through airborne, that's exciting stuff, you know, especially airborne school, it's fun, but it really came down to brass tacks when it was like, Hey, this is, this is the beginning of where I really want to be. So I want this, you know, I do remember that. I remember being scared that I wasn't going to make it, you know, there was that constant fear of, you know, your, not not your life is in jeopardy, but your career. And in so many words, your life is in uh, the hands of somebody else. And yours, obviously, but, uh, you know, there's so many variables. Am I going to make this? Um, so I just remember being scared. I wasn't going to make it the entire time. Cause you're looking at other guys. You're like, Oh my God, that guy's a beast or that guy's going to make a great ranger. Sure. You know, I'm just a dude. Um, but no, I'm, I made it through nothing, no significant stories other than getting, you know, our asses kicked for three weeks. Um, and then I got to battalion and that's when the fun began. Um, <laughs> another asterisk by, by fun yeah yeah well and what sucked is uh we went i got uh, well it didn't suck it was awesome i got to go to second battalion which is where i wanted to go um but we only had like six dudes going to second battalion seven dudes oh. from rip going to uh the companies and i was the only one that went to bco and so I was the only dude, the only cherry standing by the CQ desk with all my dead. bags. <laughs> yeah. When, you know, all these, you know, yep. Rangers were walking by, you know, either swearing at me or giving me the once over, you know, um, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I was the only dude. I had no one to hide behind. It was just me. And then I ended up going to uh third platoon and that's when, uh, that was, um, Gunny Barreras' platoon. At the yeah. Time. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to talk about an awesome platoon sergeant, that guy. He was, I mean, he, yeah. he was a legend already. So, yeah, I went to, went to BCO, went to 3rd Platoon. Um, within my first week, we did those uh, infamous 30-mile road marches. That was a blast. <laughs> those are always, so I remember when we did the one, and those guys, 30-milers are no joke, and there's usually hits along the way. I always, but I always could look look at the mortar guys and feel like at least I didn't have it as there was always a way that I could look around like God, mm-hmm. I, I, this sucks, but damn it. I don't, at least don't have it as bad as those guys with the mortar, with yeah. the tubes and, and, uh, gun team. and gun, oh, well, I, I did have to do that once, man. I did carry that damn 240 uh, that one. And we all got hit with the uh, yellow jackets right off the bat. 
don't know if you were. <laughs> yeah, that was when uh, Lieutenant Johnston came in. And uh, oh, yeah, started, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we stepped off and we, we started humping right off Rainier Basin and we ran into a yellow jacket or mud jacket nest and everybody got hit. And I remember I got hit and this was the first mile in. <laughs> And I, w- I hit it because they were pulling guys off because guys were bad. They were swelled up. I remember Leonard got pulled off right off the bat. And I remember yeah. him smiling as he walked away saying, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like, you son of a bitch. So <laughs> I had to take his gun. And um, But uh, I remember getting back to, to battalion after that 30-miler. And I remember when I, I went and saw Doc. Uh, I can't remember which Doc it was. Oh, gosh, that Kelly. I think it was Kelly. And okay. Yeah. I pulled my I pulled my Nomex glove off because I was hiding it because if they would have saw how big my hand looked like a boxing glove, mm-hmm. and I pulled yeah. my Nomex because they were Rothke would have pulled me off. He was he was sending guys in for for I wasn't Rothke. It was um, Johnston was Rothke didn't give two shits. He could be stung <laughs> in your eyeballs. He didn't care, <laughs> um, which is awesome. But um, right. I remember coming back and just pulling that glove off and just just and it was a it was a my, my hand was like a boxing glove and it was just. It was, it was, but it was the greatest feeling finishing it at the end with all those injuries coming and seeing the guys that had mm-hmm. just got stung and got pulled off right off the bat and be like, fuck it. You know, I, it did suck, but when you got done, yeah. you did feel like you accomplished something. I mean, whatever it was, yeah. you accomplished, there was like a little door you opened that, man, maybe I'm a little tougher than what I give myself credit for. And that's yeah. what I, not that I enjoy 30 milers because, but no, it, it did, it did put some, yeah, it did put some hair on your chest, and I don't have much mm-hmm. in but it, but it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you held your head higher after doing that stuff. You know, I mean, it was tough. Um, you know, and people talk about the hazing and whatnot. Yeah, if it's malicious, I mean, like sure. you're straight on punching people in the face and, you yeah. know, hurting people, but like making people do push, smoking them. You know, if you're smoking them until, yeah. you know, they're sweating buckets on the floor, there was nothing wrong with that. And you actually mentioned it. I was listening to your guys' podcast the other day. I think it was your last one, Chris, you mentioned, um, that shit doesn't matter when the bullets are flying. And this is why you do, this is why you do that hard training. This is why you test people physically and mentally, you know, none of this timeout bullshit or, um, Hey, this isn't fair. It's like, yeah, shit ain't, shit ain't fair when, you know, you're, you're in the mix. Brother, shit, um, shit ain't fair. You don't when when that when that rocket or something hits and it hits over here and kills your buddy, but you missed you. That's not fair. But, but there's no reason behind right. it either. It just it right. shit happens, and that's why you have to go through. You have to have that. And right. and I, 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 you know, malicious hazing. I agree with you. While I call it hazing, yeah, I do call it a little bit because it's still an indoctrination. You're still getting punished, but it, there's a means behind it. And if you can't right. handle that physical. With a little guy in your ear, maybe it's. And I remember, I, I, who was who was a dick? Range <laughs> Battalion. That was that guy that you just didn't want him to smoke. Really, the only person I could think that was at least initially till I got my tab was Leonard because he has a tab before me. He kind yeah. of, but but that was just his way. But you still, he wasn't malicious. He just. Just was he just was a dick, <laughs> and yeah. but you, I needed that. You needed to deal with it because right. you can't you can't deal with that shit. How are you going to deal with it when when yeah when when your buddy dies next year or you somebody shoots right. or or you know or you lose your leg by an RPG and you have to continue on and and, and yeah. that's and we'll get into that. But you're you're right, bro, and and that's why uh, uh that's why again like yourselves you we had a great company guys like yourself and bach and and dalton was another one tremendous oh, yeah. um 
just guy in Dalton, for those who don't know, Sergeant Dalton, or who was Specialist Dalton at the time that became a sergeant while I was there, I think people need to read about his story. The dude is, is holy yeah. crap. He's just a beast. And, but he was mm-hmm. so professional and I didn't mind getting smoked by you guys. Cause there was a, there, there, I knew why I always knew. And, and every once in a while though, no, I bought caught me one time in the, in the bathroom. I was hiding in the stall. I did. I was like, <laughs> I ain't getting smoked today. I'm tired of this shit. And, right. but, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm manipulating. Continue on though. Cause you're, you're bringing up some good memories in my head too, dude. But yeah, with the, uh, uh I, I, you know, oh, yeah. what, what, you're at battalion now and, and, you know, we're getting ready to, to, you know, you, you, now were you a team leader at the time when you were deployed to Iraq on that, on that deployment? Did you were, were you yeah. were a five? Okay. So if yeah, you go yeah. from there, man, let's, let's talk about yeah. that. Well, my first deployment was uh, to Afghanistan. I was a team leader then. Um, and that was Oh two. Yeah, that was Oh wow. two. Um, and not a whole lot happened. I mean, we got mortared, uh, or once up in uh, where the hell were we? Uh, Was it Bagram area? Or were you up co- close no, on that portion? It's uh, what was it? Uh, Jabad, Abad? Jabad? Yeah, yeah. Okay, up on the Jabad. Yeah, yep, somewhere Jabad up there. So. Yep. Because yeah, we we set that up. Not the airfield, but we pushed way out into uh, the boonies. Yeah. Um, and set up a place up there. We got uh, mortared one night, and <laughs> I think only two landed. And I remember, um, I remember somebody yelled incoming and we all started laughing. Like, you know, (laughs) somebody goes, incoming. And you hear like across the tent, you just start to hear people just belly laughing. Cause it's like, that's the crap you only hear in the movie. You hear that in the movie. It's like, uh, you're back in the nom, dude. What's going on? Right. Right. And then, I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was a joke, but I mean, there's so many other people like the boys at Haditha Dam, you know, that got shelled. Um, I mean, some of the other stuff, it's like two rounds coming in and someone yells incoming. I get it. You know, it's like, Hey, heads up stuff's coming in, but, and we didn't know only two were coming in, but you know, there's other boys that put up with so much other uh, crap than we did. Um, and that was about it in Afghanistan. And then, we redeployed, uh, you know, you go through your training cycles, all your RF cycles and all that. And, uh, uh, almost a year to the day we deployed to, uh, Iraq. Um, it was March both times. Um, so yeah, and we deployed to, um, uh, Iraq. I think we were making runs across the border to begin with, uh, from Saudi. Um, and then we pushed up to Biap. Um, yep. that was, a that was a pretty rad flight sitting on the back of a Chinook. Um, you can see, I mean, I don't think they were shooting at us, but you could definitely see tracers. You have your night vision on, you know, you can see tracers going here and there. People don't realize how cool that is unless you've seen <laughs> tracers under your nods and, and they're, and it, it, when they're not coming at you, but they're close because it, it, it's, it's, it's the coolest fireworks you'll ever see. They're so yeah. awesome to see that. And you're just, to me, it's just marveling going, man, how cool is this? Who gets to see this shit? That's how I was. Yeah. I was like, man, this is awesome. And I, I can't yeah. even imagine on the back of a Chinook. I was always stationary when I was watching, but that would have been amazing to see. Dude, just the yeah. green and the green lights just shooting straight up in the air. Because hmm. you feel like you're in a movie. I, I might be yeah. it, that's me. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, one of the greatest shows on earth and you get a front row. Front row ticket, front row seat. Um, so then we, we landed by app. And uh, at that point, I think we were one of, I mean, Armour, I think, had secured the perimeter. Um, and other units had obviously cleared it before we got there. But we were one of the first units to set in there. And there was no hard structures. There wasn't even tents. In fact, uh, 
we were sleeping in a, um, in a hangar and a couple of us called it the planetarium because that thing was so full of holes that when the sun came out, you know, it's kind of shaded in there. It looks like stars everywhere when you're looking up. You was know, that from all the shrapnel? Was that from shrapnel? Yeah. Is that, okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, uh, I can't remember as you were facing the building on the right side up on the, you know, the roof, uh, wall line, there was a huge hole, you know, something big came in there. Um, but yeah, there was holes all over that thing. Um, and then pigeons, I guess they're like flying rats. They can survive anything or pigeons <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah, we were sitting there, uh, when the first, one of the first C-17s came in. Um, and then, yeah, then all the supplies start rolling in thereafter and we we're running missions out of there. Um, wow, that's cool. You know, going all over all hours of the day and night. Um, nothing again, nothing significant though. Um, we did a lot of missions. We were, I don't want to say we were running and gunning, but we were running a lot out of there. I mean, you know, I remember those days when you go out, you sleep for however long, and then you're putting on wet DCUs from your sweat. You know, they didn't even have time to dry out before you're going back out. Um, well, and that's why the training, yeah. that's why all that's so important. I mean, that's why I'm people yeah. realize. Yeah, that. like ranger school going days on end, you know, that's, yeah. that's why for when you do this. And also I, at that time too, if I remember right, and that's when I actually started contracting right around that time. But there were guys, actually one of my teammates, Joe Espino, was at Haditha Dam. And I remember him telling me about what happened. He was a third bad guy. But what he, what, is, what people don't realize all that time is that a lot of the tier, say the tier one units, which would, at mm-hmm. that time would have been a cool guy, a green and blue or Delta and Dev group, they were turning it down a lot of the missions. And I remember red, which is Rangers, Ranger battalion, they were picking them up. So you guys were, you guys, you guys didn't care. And, and that was, was yeah. awesome. It made me proud as a contractor. Cause we were getting the word. Cause I was, I was, you know, of, of that was going on. I was like, man, yeah, green and blue are turning into prima donnas and Rangers are like, shit, give us all the missions. Mm-hmm. We'll take them all. And, and yeah, you yeah. guys weren't, weren't having any sleep. That was amazing to me. Just the, the, yeah just the the work the work tempo you guys had going out all the time um, yeah and you know at my level being a team leader you didn't know whose mission you were taking or whose it was you're just like okay we're going out okay yeah. we're going out we're going you're just out. happy just, to be here dude just happy to right be here. Let's do you know it. <laughs> you're just doing your you're doing your pcis you know you're just checking your boys and you know you're making sure at your level everything's good to go you just you know have faith that everything above you is is, is in you know yeah. the right pecking order um and then, in fact, one night you mentioned the, the super cool dudes. I remember the super cool dudes were out there doing a mission one night, and uh, their bird, I think, you know, obviously 160th. And those, you want to yeah. talk about some shit hot flyers. I mean, oh, I always yeah. was able to relax when I was in the hands of 160th just because it's like, you know, these guys are the shit. Yeah. Um, and they were. They're, you know, they're, yeah. They were. I always felt at ease flying on their birds. And uh, I remember we got spun up one night i can't remember if we were qrf or not but it was my uh my squad actually um the super cool dudes had gone in on a on target and their black hawk had clipped wires with the rotor blades and so they spun us up as a qrf and i actually got to fly over baghdad on the bench of a uh little bird that oh, was badass that nice. was that was Dude, how did you? That would have been awesome. And you were flying from Biop. Do you know what part of the city were you going out to? I don't. Clipping in Sauter or, or Corrado. Nope. Or, but, you know, no doing clue. that, uh, riding over on a, on a helicopter over the city, I, I, I got to do that with Blackwater. And when Blackwater spun up, all their pilots, all our Little Bird pilots were task force guys because that's all, that's all there. It was mm-hmm. just smart. 
and dude, doing that on Little Birds, riding on yeah. on the skids over there, and you got to be on the bench with those with those MHs. Mm-hmm. That you, you just unbelievable. And people, I, tell people about when you bank because you're not you're not locked. In. I don't think people understand. People always think, well, are you locked in? Are you snapped? No. <laughs> tell people you're no. you're sitting there, and the G force is basically keeping you on the bird when you're banking and turning. Explain that a little bit and how that feels. Yeah, I mean, you're seriously, when you're not buckled in, I mean, when I say buckled in, it's like, hey, you have your rigger belt and, you know, a length of uh, tubular nylon. I think we even had the, the cool safety lines at that point. And it's it's a D-ring, not a D-ring, a, uh, a snap link. Snap link, yep, yep, that's it's it. It's a snap link, and you literally just go click into the side of the bird, and you're just sitting there. So, yeah, I mean, they tell you, they're like, <laughs> and it was cool because it was at night. So we had our night vision down flying over the city. And, uh, you know, we've already flown on little birds. Uh, we've already had the safety briefs. You, they, again, they just double tap. They're like, Hey, if we shoot, just remember when we're banking, not to shoot your feet or my rotor blades. You're like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's oh, crazy. Man. Man. That's, that's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. The first time we, ba- I banked on one of those, I, I dude, I'm going to lie. I, I screamed like a little girl because <laughs> I thought I was going to fall off. I feel like I would be the same way, man. I don't, I don't do well with those situations. But but when you get used to it, Ian, I'm because t- after the first turn, you realize you can, you're not going to fall. And after the band, and they know so much how to do it. The G forces, they've got to figure it out. That it becomes so fun. It's just a, it's a, it's it's the coolest. It's like doing a roller coaster, and you're being able to hold a gun. So basically, you're in a roller yeah. coaster with a yeah. with with a rifle. And it is. I remember coming in one time, and we did one training. We did one training where I did that. And I remember coming in, I wasn't for real. It was training. And I was on, I was on a, uh, on a bench. And I remember the dude come, I were coming in and he was saying cover the, 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 the pilot was getting into it. And he's like, fucking shoot that thing. Cover me, cover me. <laughs> getting me all motivated. I mean, that's just how cool the 160th guys were. And, yeah, and yeah. Sergeant, Sergeant Waters is right. But you just, you never felt like you were in an unsafe hands. You could get on that yeah. and you'd be like, I'm good. These guys got me. That's and, awesome. And, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like like true brotherhood there, and and guys that you, that you could trust. Um, I do, I I know we touched on it. You know, we're going to touch on it a few minutes ago, and we're getting into all sorts of other stuff. I, I do want to make sure that we get into, as Tonto mentioned, kind of your injury and persevering, because I, I think sure. that's going to be a really inspirational story. Yeah. I I know we're fast forwarding through some things, but I I, I do no, want to make fine. sure that we hit on that and and kind of get into as as Chris asked, like where were you that day and what went down. Yeah. So, um, it was, I mean, I can't remember exact. I mean, I know what's the date it was when I got hurt, but when, when everything started rolling together, I don't know. Um, there is an article, some guys shared it on Facebook, uh, recently, um, flashed a bang about that day. Yeah. Um, and I won't go into some of the other names because if people want to look at it, obviously if it's on the interwebs, it's, you know, safe to look at and safe to talk about, but there's still some, (laughs) There's still some boys that are uh, doing cloak and dagger, really yeah. cool super yeah. guy stuff. So I'm not going to mention their names or anything like that. But um, yeah, you can flash to bang, check that out online. There's a story somewhere. Um, anyway, I don't know when the pieces started coming together, but uh, we got um, we got a heads up that hey, you guys are going to hit a, a, a terrorist training camp out in the boonies, and uh, it was actually if I remember correctly, 101st Airborne's mission. Um, and they either needed more time or they weren't ready in some fashion. I can't remember what it was. Again, above my head. 
Um, so our leadership was like, Hey, we'll take it right now. And we ended up getting the mission. It got kicked. Uh, I think it got slid to the right 24 hours. And, uh, we ended up punching out, uh, to go hit this training, uh, terrorist training camp way out in Western Iraq, not too far from the Syrian border. Um, part of the, it was a company plus hit. So I think we took, uh, we took our entire line company and then probably mortars came with us, I think. Um, Anyway, I don't remember the exact makeup, but I do know that one platoon drove. Uh, they took GMVs all the way out there, and then uh, the rest of us, first and second, uh, flew with the Night Stalkers. And uh, I was on a Chinook, you know, and we at this point we'd hit a lot of dry holes. We'd seen some limited contact here and there, but nothing, nothing major. Um, so we're flying out and, you know, you're just kind of in the back. You got your ear pro in, I'm in the back of a shit hook and, um, you know, you're just kind of zoning out. And, uh, are you guys still there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'm, 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 I'm locked into this. <laughs> no, no, we're locked in. I'm, I'm listening. Cause I, 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 I know a little bit about it, but from what I read, but I've never talked to you or Leroy specifically about it. Cause I didn't know if yeah. you wanted to. So I always let it up to you. Yeah. you know what? I, I've never been one to shy away from it. Um, I mean, hell, I still wear shorts and, you know, a nice glass prosthetic. So, you know, if people want to talk to me about it, by all means, I don't hide it. So anyway, I digress. Um, So, you know, you're you're flying in the back of a a Chinook or a Blackhawk. I was in the back of a Chinook and uh, you got your ear pro in. You're kind of just, you know, thinking about what's ahead of you, your actions on the objective and but also zoning out. I mean, your brain goes so many different places when you're uh, in those birds going places. So, um we stopped at the uh, forward area refueling. Uh, what is it? Forward area refueling rearming report. Yeah, rearming. Yep. Rearming. Yeah, the FARP. Yeah, the FARP. The FARP. Yep. Um, and as we were sitting there, they called in a couple fast movers to soften the objective. And I think I remember seeing the explosions in the distance. And then we piled back into the helicopters, and off we go. And um, support by fire, you know, was ahead of us and they set in, they get off their birds, they sit in and then the main effort comes in. And I remember coming off the Chinook and I tell you what, man, I've, I've done it dozens of times, you know, um, you're, you're on that Chinook and you know, the bird starts flaring, you're on one knee, you got your gun across your other and you got that hand on the gate to your snap link. And there's no, you never feel more alive. Then when that bird starts flaring, right. And it starts shuddering as it's flaring coming in and you're on, you're on a knee with 15, 25, however many dudes in the same position on a knee gun across their uh, knee. That's up just waiting to waiting for that ramp to drop and just start kicking ass. You know, there's no greater feeling. Uh, I mean, there is, but <laughs> that is one hell of a feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not yep. going to say that oh, yeah. uh, I'm not that psychotic where it's like, yeah, doing that's the only good thing in life. You know, yeah. Conan, what is best in life? It's like, yes, but there's other good things too. But that is one of those things where it's like, that is awesome. You are amped up, man. And, and that's where I tell about the training and, and, or even other ops when you have time, when you're able to finally just sit there and you went through your head, you're wargaming it, you're what ifing everything. Yep. And then that's come down. You're ready. And that's why yeah. I always say you, you that's why the, the, the toughness of preparing you, the the hardness of the thirty milers, the multiple yep. missions, the sweating in the hallways, the being yelled at a little bit, you know, getting, getting body that armor. Cut, 
exactly running exactly putting your pro mask on and running in that yeah. that's where all that comes because you're able to focus so you're focused man you're just but and you're alive because your you, your your senses are just honed and you can see everything everything without it without it turning into that little cone because you've gone right. into the black because you're overwhelmed all right go go ahead yep. keep going <laughs> I'm, I'm into this man i'm digging it i know i mean i'm even you can probably hear it i'm like amped up even talking about it yeah yeah man <laughs> yeah. i feel like we got to have like sound yeah, effects in the background on this one man. Yeah, i know it's, man. It's, this is a story <laughs> so you know i mean you're on a knee uh, that bird starts shuddering. You feel the wheels hit, and then you feel them hit the brakes. That ramp comes down, and we start piling off. And I was running off the back of the Chinook, and I peeled around to my right, so the left of the bird. And uh, we can see, like, support by fire is rocking and rolling. I mean, there's tracers going everywhere. You know, you see them when they, they go along the ground, they hit something, they skip up. I mean, yep. it's kind of like, you know, those old school live fire ranges where it's just yep. nothing but tracers going out. And I'm like, Oh shit, we've got a really hot objective. Um, so we, uh, we get out of the bird, you know, we, we take a knee birds lift off and then we get online and then you could already <laughs> kind of hear it. But once the birds took off, you can just hear the chaos you're, there's machine guns, there's rockets going off, there's explosions. You're like, holy shit, this is, this is real, real. Um, so we get up online. And I mean, as, when I say online, because it's the flat desert, you know, you've got no yeah. cover. So we just start spreading out and pushing online, clearing yep. towards the objective. Yep. And our objective was down in a wadi, you know, the main part of the objective. So we're pushing up, pushing up, pushing up, you know, kind of like a, a light jog. And again, yeah, we're all kitted up. We've got, and everyone's got their machine guns and rifles and grenades, your, your basic combat load, um, your RBA helmet, all that jazz. I mean, we, we're loaded for bear. So, um, we're pushing up and I'm kind of in the middle of the line. And all of a sudden, uh, from the low ground in front of me, probably about 50 meters to the, my front, an RPG goes, um, from the bottom of the wadi straight up. And that shit was loud. And, yeah, I probably peed a little because it was so loud. And you know you know what I mean? Yeah. And no. it's just you start reacting and I just there was no like, oh, I'm up, he sees me, I'm down, you know, I'm taking any it was just a flat belly flop. Why am? Because you don't know you know, you don't know where that rocket was going. You know, eventually yeah. as it's going up into outer space, you hear it going that direction. You're like, Oh, okay. You know, later found out they were trying to do some uh Black Hawk down stuff and we had little birds on station and the little birds were making gun runs and they were um they're awesome. trying to shoot the little birds out of the sky with uh, RPGs. Yeah, and that ain't that was. Yeah, that ain't gonna no. happen. No, no. So you know, we all put, we all get back up and start pushing on, <clears> and then <throat> another one. We're, we're quite a bit closer. Another one goes up. You know, and you kind of get back down, but you're realizing that okay, I can see in front of me because of my night vision. There's a fire burning in the wadi, so there's tons of light. We're still in the shadows. I can see. I have no targets in front of me, so I know that RPG is not coming my way. Um, and then we probably get within 10 meters of the edge of the wadi. And, uh, I can see off to my left, um, our intermediate support by fire. Uh, I can't remember which squad it was, but one of the squads from my platoon, uh, and my buddy Luker was over there and they were, uh, you can see their lasers were on and you can just see the lasers just bouncing back and forth, um, <laughs> from their saws, from their rifles. And they're shooting right down into where, you know, right below me, 10 meters in front of me, but down, down in the ditch or the wadi. 
And uh, I'm like, oh shit. And I'm realizing I'm like, that's where I'm supposed to be going here in like a couple seconds. There's somebody still down there. And, uh, and I'm, I remember thinking, I was like, <coughs> shoot all those assholes. <laughs> so I yeah. just got to go down there and, and clean them up. And then, you know, you're also curious, but I'm like, I'm definitely not sticking my head over this wadi because two RPGs just came from down there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to have my head taken off. Um, so intermediate support by fire was rocking and rolling. And then we pushed down to a draw, uh, which was our, uh, ingress route. And, uh, Right there in the draw was where they were, the, the bad dudes were, that was their driveway. They were using that uh, for their vehicles in and out of the wadi, okay. their ingress and egress route. And we get into the draw, and at the back of the draw, or I guess the front of the draw where it opens up into the wadi pretty wide, uh, I could see a vehicle sitting there, or what was left of it. Um, the uh, uh, close air support, and I think we, yeah, we had Spectre on station too. Jeez. Um, Oh yeah, man, <laughs> we came in heavy and, uh, I don't know which air asset it was, but I mean, seeing a vehicle, it didn't last very long. And if you guys have ever seen a vehicle burn, there's nothing that burns like a vehicle. There's no yeah. putting it out, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and it was bright. So now it's washing out our night vision and it's lighting up the whole wadi. And I'm like, Oh my God. Cause I can see all the way to the other side of the wadi now without night vision plain as day. And I'm like, dude, this sucks because this is my area that I'm going to need to go and fight in. And now, now they can see us a lot better because of this fire. And I was even, I'm probably, you know, 15, 20 meters away from that truck and you can feel the heat. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll throw some dirt on it. And I'm like, and immediately you're like, no, that's stupid. You're going to need like two fire trucks to put that out. And, you know, fire department's not out here. Um, so, and I remember my squad leader. Um, like he's one of the guys that went and did uh, bigger and better things. So I won't mention him. Um, but, uh, he was on the radio and, you know, uh, in training and just in doctrine, Rangers are like violence of action, violence of action, keep them on the ropes. Don't give them a chance to set in, you know, catch their breath, keep going, keep going, violence yeah, of action, you know, yeah, yeah. don't give them a chance to breathe. And we're sitting there in the wadi and, you know, obviously there's moving pieces. You got to have your intermediate support by fire, support by fire, air assets need to know that you guys are moving. So you need to get clearance or, you know, launching star clusters to let them know you're, you're moving. We had to yep. do, I think radio transmissions and he's waiting on the, I remember him on his radio. He's waiting on the word. He's like, we need to move now. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, we need to go. Um, because a, whoever's down here is just getting a chance to get set. And if we're loud enough, my God, they're probably already know we're here. So, um, finally, you know, I hear him bark, uh, he was in the radio and he goes, waters go. And I was like, I was the, uh, alpha team leader. So I'm the number one guy. And I go to the edge of the wadi and I bust the left. So now I've got, um, the open wadi to my right. And I've got kind of like a cliff wall to my left. And we're probably walking on an area before it gets down into the marshy area, probably about 10 or 15 meters wide. I think again, there was a lot going on. So some of this is kind of fuzzy. Um, so we're, we're, uh, we're pushing forward. I've got my entire squad behind me. And, uh, at this point, my stupid, uh, I pro, I still have my I pro on was fogging up. So I pulled my I pro off and I stuck it in my, uh, my K-pop band Hmm. and pushing on. And I've got my laser on that had the floodlight and I'm scanning, I'm scanning, you know, left to left, right. I'm scanning everywhere in front of me. 
and that um, that fire is now behind me from that vehicle. So I'm really getting whited out. My vision's working to maybe about 20, 30 meters, you know, because um, it's just getting washed out from all the light. And I scan to my left, and I see something in like a dugout in the um, in the cliff wall. And there's something in there, but I can't make it out because, you know, angles and firelight dancing and all that stuff. And I'm looking at it, you know, as I'm still kind of creeping forward. And Chris, you know that when you're under night vision and you hit somebody with IR, you can see their eyes glinting in, yeah. in the in light back in your it's night like, vision. It's like a raccoon. Like a raccoon. You're catching the yeah. raccoon's yeah. eyes with your headlights, man. And you see right. that glint. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't see any eyes looking at me. I don't see anything that looks like a weapon. So I'm just going to keep, uh, um, I'm going to keep scanning. And at that point, I heard two gunshots from right behind me. And I tell you, man, I don't think I've ever got down faster in my life because that scared the crap out of me. And, um, actually I think that happened first before I saw the, the dugout. Yeah. Before I saw the, the stuff in the dugout, we're walking along and you know, I hear bam and I'm like, Oh my God. And I jumped down and, uh, it was my squad leader. And he goes, <laughs> what had happened was he's walking by and he stepped on a dude's arm. So I didn't know it at the time, but the fast movers and the air assets had come in and dropped ordnance um, on like their tents and like their living quarters. And I, as I'm walking, I'm kind of stumbling and I'm just thinking it's turned up dirt. Well, lo and behold, I ended up walking on out dirt and uh, bodies. Just bodies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're not looking down all that much. You know, I'm more as a point man, I'm more worried about what's in front of me and off to my yeah. side. And with the night vision being whited out, I really couldn't see much anyway uh, on the ground. But uh, my squad leader had stepped on uh, a dude's arm, and the guy moved his arm. And he's like, oh, shit, and just bam, double tap. Um, and I jumped down, and as I'm getting back up, he goes, you motherfuckers better start, better start double tapping these bodies. And, you know, <laughs> you're all amped up. Um, you're all amped up, and, you know, me just being – I'm. I'm amped up. I'm uh, a little pissed that I just got scared a little and I was a smart ass. And I said, well, I would, if I could see shit, hmm. you know, that's what I yelled back to yeah. him because I couldn't, I couldn't through my night vision. I couldn't see anything. And at that point, I think that's when I put my eye pro up in my helmet. Cause I was, you know, I couldn't see nothing. So then, you know, I scanned on my left. I see that dugout. It wasn't shooting at me. So I was like, Hey, yeah, no worries. We're going to keep uh, scanning. And I keep walking and I'm scanning to my front. And as I come to my front, I'm, I got my gun up directly in front of me, kind of, you know, at the, at the ready. And I look out and at that moment I see, um, glass, I see glass glinting in the firelight and I'm like, Whoa. Oh shit. Whoa. And I have enough time to get my rifle up and what it was when I ended up seeing, uh, cause I see it with, um, I see it with my eyes, not with my night vision. Cause I, you know, I had the uh, 14s, so I've got one eye under night vision and one eye with, uh, you know, just my eyeball. And I think I saw cause it was, it was red and yellow, uh, that tinted glass from a scope. And I look and I have enough time to tense and go, Oh shit. And at that point it was a dude with an RPG sitting in a, uh, fighting position, probably about chest level. And as I tense and I switch my gun to, um, semi to start getting rounds off, he had already fired. Basically he's seeing me coming up cause I'm backlit. Gotcha. Know, for days and because yeah. of that fire behind me and uh i have enough time to tense and flip off to uh semi and he'd already shot and the rocket went right along the ground 
and I didn't hear it, you know, until, yeah, um, yeah, don't. yeah. So it goes right along the ground and takes my leg clean off my left leg wow. right below the knee. What I, I didn't know that at the point, at that point, all I know is like, I see something, I tense. And then the next thing I know is I'm seeing thousands of orange sparks go past my head up to like in front of me and up to the left in front of me, all these orange wow. sparks. So did and it, did it, even, did it detonate or did it hit it clean and then go past you and then detonate? Or do you even know? I don't know. And, you know, different people saw different things. And sure. I was also told we were walking on, um, they had a cache site. So we were oh, told wow. that I think we were yeah. walking on some UXO, you know, some unexploded ordnance. So yeah. it could have been something like that. But I remember, I remember my arms coming up and the sparks going past my head. And then the next thing I remember is I'm laying on my back looking up at the night sky and um i just feel tremendous pain in both my legs and you know i'm screaming my head off actually i'm screaming um 12 o'clock 50 meters 12 o'clock 50 meters shoot that son of a bitch or something to that effect sure um you know giving out the direction of contact to my uh my team and my squad mates so i'm sitting there and i'm like you know, I mean, your brain works so fast in those situations. I'm sitting there, you know, gunfire's going like right over the top of my chest. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh God, my legs really, really hurt. And you're telling yourself, you know, if you've ever been hurt, you always tell yourself, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. This is fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like in that legs. case, that doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't you know, really ever, work. Like riding your motorcycle, have you ever been in a car accident and you know you're hurt? You're like, this is fine. I'm okay. It's not as bad. And somewhere in the back of your head, it's like, no, Hey dude, this is bad. You know, but, uh, you're trying to keep yourself calm. And I remember thinking, I was like, um, okay, my legs are just broke. Cause I've had broken bones before. I was like, this feels like broken bones. And I remember I'm on my back and I lift my head up and I look and at my left leg, um, all I see is shredded pant leg and blood dripping down oh in the firelight. Yeah, I, I just because I like, just imagine this. This is like the type of thing that you literally have a nightmare of, you know. And you wake up and yeah. you're fine. But I'm sure all of us have had these nightmares of like losing a limb or something. And I, I just couldn't imagine what it's actually like to experience it in real life. What what's what's yeah. amazing? And if you listen to 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 Sergeant Waters or to Maddie, you hear his voice. He's trying, and this all goes back to. The hardness, the being prepared mm-hmm. is 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 toughening you up in, in this in our culture now where we've become so soft on each other. This is the mindset that the toughness makes that you are you are damn near could be mortally wounded. He is almost I mean, literally yeah. could bleed out lostly. And he's telling himself it's not that bad. It's not that that is fucking amazing. <laughs> I don't give a fuck who you are out there. I'll give it to you. how many broken what's your thing to me. Yeah, bro, that's that gives me chills. Think, and it takes a lot to do that for me. That because you are, but that's you, dude, and that's how I saw you as a private. I never, you, you never, you were so fucking. You're hard, dude. You were hard. You were hard, but you were <laughs> tough, and and that's. I with I'm looking at you, and I wish I would have been there with you, but that does not surprise me with your mentality, and that doesn't surprise me with a lot of Rangers mentality because that's how it is. That's. That's what right. all that toughness is for, man. Now, I, I know. Let I, me. I know. I know. I know. You're. No, what I'm, <laughs> what what I'm going to say is, is that wasn't like an overt statement to myself. Like, 
hey, I'm so tough. Like, no, hey, not dude, at all. You need, to, no. you need to pick it up because honestly, I was just so scared. That's all it was. Is I'm telling myself so I don't freak out. You're, you're trying you know, to keep it together. Yes. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was scared at that point. I mean, beyond belief, you know. <laughs> but you're telling yourself, hey, this isn't that bad. It's not like, you know, you've got a bad blister. You're like, hey, this isn't so bad. I can keep fighting. I can keep going. I knew I was out of the fight, and I knew that. You know, I'm not knocking on death's door yet, but this is some serious shit, and I'm I'm scared out of my mind. So sure. I'm telling myself, hey, you're okay. Calm down. You're okay. Um, just it's almost like selfish just to say like self-preservation stuff. Like you're okay. Get through this. Um, but yeah, but it wasn't because I, I I will defer to other people that are tougher than me. I don't think I was that tough. I just got put in a spot, you know, where I got lucky. You know, yeah, yeah there were some other things uh, that came into play, but I was I, I look at dudes like Wheeler. You know, that were tough yeah. dudes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. that were tough dudes. Yeah. You know, to me, I'm just, I, like I said before, I'm just a regular dude. Anyway, <laughs> I know we keep getting sidetracked. Um, so I'm sitting there and I see my um, shredded pant leg hanging in the, in the firelight. And I'm like, I just remember thinking, son of a bitch. You know, and you're like, no, 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 no. I remember thinking, dude, no. I'm Matt Waters. This is not supposed to happen. This is not my plan. You know, I, I did not see this coming. I mean, not that you could see it coming, but it's like, I didn't think I didn't plan for this. Hold on. You know, all this, you, you start like the self-denial stuff. You're like, no, 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 no. Wake up. Okay. This is just a nightmare. And, uh, then I made a statement, um, that other guys thought was hilarious. My wife still gives me crap about it to this day as she should. Um, cause she goes, your first thought wasn't about your family. Uh, and it was, but what came out of my mouth was I was real big into riding dirt bikes at that time. And I said, that son of a bitch shot my shifting leg off. Shoot that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> my Lord. Oh. Yeah. Uh, are you, you know and, what I actually yeah. gotta I gotta ask then out of curiosity because I know with prosthetics now guys are able to do really amazing things. Are are you able to ride a dirt bike with how you are I now? Did. That's awesome. I did. I got back into it. Um, That's so cool, man. Uh, years ago, yeah. Um, and I was I was never any good. You know, I just go out there for have fun. I'd still go to the races down here at uh, Washougal um, and go do amateur days. But I mean, I'm coming in like next to last place you know, yeah but i, I still think that, that that's that's day. pure <laughs> perseverance man because i think it's it's hope for probably other guys out there who have injuries and stuff i mean that is as big of an injury as you can get and the fact that you could still do something so physical um i mean i could tell you when gyms were open here in new york which they're pretty much closed indefinitely with the way things are but when i'd be mm -hmm. working out next to someone who was an amputee who lost a limb and you know they're lifting like an animal and they're really getting at it it always inspired me to do more man and, and just hearing that yeah. that you could still ride dirt bikes in that in that condition that's awesome man and i'm sure it's inspiring yeah. to the other guys who see you ride well, and I hope so. I mean, I hope that, you know, doing some of the stuff I've done and I'm not some extreme athlete, but you know, I've done some things where it's like, Hey, uh, maybe there's hope for me too. You know, if that guy can do it, shoot, I can do it too. So I'm kind of hoping that by some of the stuff I've done, I can lead by example. Uh, well, for and, other and, folks. You, and you are, I mean, you, you obviously are. And I, I, man, we could, we could talk to you forever, dude. <laughs> um, seriously, I, and you're bringing back a lot of memories for me, but you know, you got off the X and we'll, we'll, we'll leave it. I don't know. Ian, do we have so, time? 
Do we have time to, to, to keep talking? We got like another 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. Well, let keep, me, let me cruise through this then. Um, because at that point, you know, um, Doc Gonzalez, um, yeah. we, he had just come to us in theater. Great dude. Uh, just super squared away. I remember looking over and I see him, um, nothing but asses and elbows running up to me. He slides in and he starts doing all the, the medic stuff, you know, the homeboy hug, checking for other wounds and, you know, making sure I'm, you know, not checking out. And he throws a tourniquet on my leg, uh, that ratchet strap, throws it down. Yep. Um, yep. And then right then, um, another Ranger private um, was throwing a grenade out. And instead of yelling frag out, he yelled grenade. And so Doc's thinking a grenade's coming in. And I couldn't talk about this part for the longest <clears> time. This <throat> one really got me. Um, Doc laid over the top of me because he thought a grenade was coming in. And Doc was ready to give his entire life for what was left of mine. And I really struggled with um, talking about that because, I mean, what an amazing, yeah. what an amazing act. Um, and I still talk to God, Doc Gonzalez to this day. Anyway, the frag ended up going out, not coming in because they were throwing frags into the, uh, the tall grass after the dudes that ran in there. And, 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 then they and just, I'm toe. sorry, as someone who's like a layman here, what is the difference between a frag and a grenade? Just in terminology. It's, well, wait, wait, really I, it's terminologies. Gotcha. Wait, no, because when so, you said uh, that he wait, said grenade out instead of frag out, that's that's why I was wondering why there was a difference there. Yeah, so if you yell frag out, that's just a warning. Hey, I'm throwing a grenade out. If you yell grenade, that means one came in. At Got it. Okay. That's why I was curious that there was a difference between. The yeah, two. no, that, that it's still saying it's, that's, okay. that's exactly, no, it's exactly, that's never changed. So yeah, okay. no, that's, that, that's wow. Yeah, no, that's understand. That's so cool. that doc did that though. And that's, but yeah, that's, no, that that's, was, that's, that's, dude, that's a brother. That's range of Italian, man. It is. Man. All so right. they, uh, they put me in the Skedco, um, they kept putting my body armor and my helmet on top of me, as was, uh, you know, the procedure then. I don't know if it still is to protect you. And I could, I was really struggling to breathe. So I kept throwing that shit off me. Um, and then they put me in the Skedco. Um, they're pulling me up a hill and I could hear those boys were laboring, um, dragging my heavy ass up a hill, you know? And, uh, I remember I got my hand out at that point and that's when I noticed I lost the top of my thumb too. Um, and I was all banged up. Um, and then I remember they were struggling and I, I, I called out to them and I'm like, Hey boys, I know you're struggling. I love you. Uh, and I literally said those words, I, was, I, I love you. Let's get up this hill. I, I say let's like I was contributing anything, you know, other than being dead weight. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they, uh, they drug me to the casualty collection point, uh, dropped me off and then went back into the fight. And that's where Roski and Gillespie were at. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Gillespie. And, Doc, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I remember Rothke comes over and starts filling out my casualty feeder cards and, uh, all of a sudden bullets start snapping overhead. We're getting shot at the casualty collection point and the RTO, uh, Antis comes running up. He's like, first time we're getting shot at. And I remember he didn't even miss a beat. He's still filling out my casualty feeder card. Cause I'm looking up, I can see his face. He's like, fuck it. We'll take care of it in a minute. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> that's pretty rock star. Dude. <laughs> oh, and Rock Antis, I forgot about Antis. Holy, he was dude. Yeah. That is amazing. And you know, Rocky, that that yeah, that's I got that dude. That's him. That's fine. Yeah. That's yeah. Hey bud, yeah. Uh, hey bud. I I'm just surprised you didn't say hey bud. We'll get after yeah. it before. Yeah, probably, before, did. Before, <laughs> before probably did. So uh, they uh, they hit me with morphine. Uh, I think, and I remember thinking, well, this isn't like the movies. Where's my pain going away? And then you know, I never felt it did. 
Um, and then the Chinook, they called in a casualty bird or, a, um, not a dust off, but they called one sixtieth back in. They came back in a Chinook, uh, that had litters on it. Cause they, I'm sure they're expecting casualties. Sure. And they put me on the, uh, they came into a hot LZ and I remember the mini guns were blazing. That was cool. Oh, that's cool. And then, uh, yeah. And I mean, so much things just for me, you know, all these, all this work and all these dudes putting it on the line for me just still gets me misty to this day. So, um, they came in, they strapped me into the Chinook and, you know, we take off and I was thirsty cause I'd lost so much blood. And I remember that the air crews always had like huge jugs of frozen water. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling out to him. I'm like, Hey, and he can't hear me. So I work my hand out of the, um, my other hand out of the Skedco out of the litter and he's walking by and I grab his leg and he comes down. And he's like, what's up? And I was like, I need water. And he goes and he basically feeds me water from one of those frozen water bottles is the best water I ever tasted. In my life. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah, they put me on the, the medical bird, the J Mal bird. And then, yeah. uh, uh, they flew me to Kuwait or to eventually to Kuwait. I think I went to one of the combat support hospitals in Iraq sure. and then to yeah, Kuwait yeah. and then the launch stool where my wife linked up with me. Um, and then cause the unit paid for her to come out, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, to Walter Reed for about a month. See, and people, that's what, whenever people ask and they ask, ask me like, how did you get through? That night, when I, I I always refer because I had guys like this that I looked up to. Again, it, this is these are the kind of guys that that taught me to overcome, like Sergeant Waters, because like, yeah, it's, it's amazing, dude. That to me, that I wouldn't expected anything less from you, but even to hear it from your mouth, it's like, yeah, that, that's that tough motherfucker. That's that ginger <laughs> tough son of a bitch right yeah. there, and that's what keeps things going. That's what keeps the the that's what keeps the regiment fucking as badass as as it is and it is man you can yeah, argue well, all day. sometimes i, I think shit. i'm just too dumb to quit you know there's <laughs> other guys that were <laughs> way better rangers than me nah that's man you're, you're yeah you're not giving yourself enough credit man i mean because that that's an amazing story and and I, I have to wonder man sitting in a hospital bed <laughs> like that after being in peak physical condition as an army ranger and, and now as you said kind of feeling like dead weight where uh they're bringing you back and all that and and now being in a hospital I've, I've talked to guys before, like Mike Schlitz, former Ranger who lost yeah, his army yeah, combat, yeah, severely Mike. burned. Yep. Yes, yep. And, and severely burned all over space. Great guy. But, he, you know, he wrote a piece for Ranger up about that experience and saying that there was a time where he was like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And he, he persevered through that. For you, did you feel that way or were you just ready to get back into action as much as you could? No, um... I mean, I wanted to carry on with my life, uh, but which I kind of knew that rangering was over. But, but, you know? but by the uh, way, which to me says a lot, man, because I think almost anybody in that experience would, I, I mean, to no longer have a working leg, w- I think it would be a normal reaction to be like, I don't want to be here. And, and the toughness to say, I do want to carry on is is amazing. Yeah. And when I was in launch tool, um, my, my bedside uh, phone rang and the squad called me to check in with me. You know, and guys that like my squad leader, I really looked up to that guy. He was he was one of the toughest Muldoons I've met in my life, you know, or at least, you know, to me. And uh, he calls me and goes, hey, man, I just want to make sure you're doing OK. Um, and I don't know if he told me that that day, but he did at one point where he said, um, hey, I, I'm hats off to you. He goes, I don't know if I could do what you've done. You know, I don't know if I could carry on with losing a leg like that, you know, so. 
Um, and that, that does huge, huge, uh, benefits to your confidence. You're like, wow, I really look up to this guy and he's giving me props. So. But, but it's the truth, dude. I, it really is. I, I don't know either. Man. I, 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 I still love to run. I don't know what, what I would do. That's like a spiritual thing to me. I don't know what I would yeah. do if I didn't have that. And, and you not only kept going on, then you went and joined the police department and it's, we won't mention yeah. which one it is. Cause, but, 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 and which is fine. But then you, and not only that, how ironic is that you went into the bomb, became a bomb tech to me <laughs> when I heard that the first time, I'm like, Holy shit, this crazy mom, this crazy fucking ranger. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck's he doing? But do. then I'm like, yeah, he's all rangered out again, getting all, do, throwing the, doing the ranger fucking smartness. Uh, it, but it was amazing to hear that, dude. That That's what yeah, was no, I, even more so. I do get that uh, every once in a while where the people are like, dude, are, are you okay upstairs? Are you, you okay? Go be a bomb tech? <laughs> well, I, I know and, you're not uh, okay upstairs. I know. Well, that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a long shot. <laughs> You know, um, but actually, I mean, working with some of the cops that I do, they're great people. Um, and no punches are pulled there either. Like one of my buddies was like, after I became bomb tech, uh, one of my buddies in the department, he was like, Hey, you need to roll up to, uh, 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 a device scene and you should at least like roll your pant leg up or even wear shorts. <laughs> and you should just announce, you should just announce and be like, all right, everybody, don't worry. I'm going to get it right this time. <laughs> you should, dude. You know what I mean? you'd, have, you'd freak out. Oh, my Lord. That would be yeah. If you do that, though, please at least let me have be, be there as just <laughs> somebody to watch it or film it for me because that would be yeah. classic. Oh, Lord. That, amazing. Yeah. Dude, well, you know, I, I know you because I, I got your baseball card that you signed for me at SHOT nice. Show. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But tell me, you because know, you, you help out with some foundations, too, man. And I know we're, we're kind of – there's so much more. we got to have you on the show again but i know yeah. you help with some foundations can you mention mention those yeah i mean uh the one that i'm involved with um they're actually doing me uh solid is uh homes for our troops nice um they're actually going to build me uh, a home uh, a handicap accessible home um and then you know uh, in the, in the end they hand you the keys that's uh, awesome. that's a short version but yeah it's an amazing uh, organization i want to say they just built their 300th home Wow. Um, in the nation. Yeah. They, they so, did that for um, uh, Mike Schlitz too. Not the same organization. Cause I know Mike Schlitz does a lot with Gary Sinise foundation, but he yeah, also yeah, the Sinise foundation. Yeah. He also has a home yeah. basically that, that could fit his needs. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's so many great foundations out there. That's, uh, uh, that's one I work with. Uh, well, when I say I work with that's one I'm, I'm part of just by being a recipient. Um, and I try to be a good, uh, recipient and, you know, spread the good word for them. And then, uh, mission outdoors, uh, is a local one yeah. up here that, uh, good. uh, one of my buddies, uh, is the top dog in and he, uh, he does some good stuff, takes vets out fishing, uh, tuna fishing, salmon fishing out on the, oh, awesome. out on the coast. Yeah. Oh so. man, that's, those are, those are fantastic. And I know I've, I know I'm familiar with that one. Those guys do a great job. Man, hey, you know bro, what I'm uh, I'm keep, curious keep about going. as as Chris was saying uh, how how he was like if I wasn't able to run anymore I don't know what I would do I know I already asked you the question with the um, dirt biking stuff but I'm thinking yeah. of uh, another ranger Joe Kapachewski who lost his leg in combat yeah. and was able to get right back into the fight are are you able to run or because I don't know because I know a different <clears throat> different um uh you know, components that they have now for these prosthetics, yeah. people are able to do some pretty amazing things that years ago were not possible. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've actually met Joe, um, uh, again, salt of the earth, great dude. And you want to talk about 
a guy that personally makes me feel like a weenie because he's <laughs> like, he's like, Hey, I lost, I lost part of my leg. Hey, guess what? I'm going back to combat. You know, I'm over here like, Oh yeah. Shit. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but he did amazing things. I mean, he was even, he was a rip tack or, uh, uh, I think he yeah, was, yeah. Uh, one of the, the cadre there. And then, yeah, he went back to combat. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And as far as prosthetics, what they're doing now, my God, I mean, there's really any, there's really nothing you can't do anymore. Um, it's just, it's up to the individual. I mean, skydiving, hell, uh, I went skydiving with my buddy uh, a couple years ago, uh, Mikhail Venikoff and, uh, well, he runs the Ranger road foundation. There's another one. Uh, are, are, you able, actually, are you able to run though? No, okay. I can. Um, and that I did get away from that. Um, I can, but I have a really short limb below my knee. Gotcha. Um, so I bear a ton of weight on a small surface area and it, it tears me up pretty good. So I tend not to, in fact, I'm having another issue right now, but that's not because of running. That's literally just life stuff as an amputee. Um, me personally, I think I could, it'd have to be, you know, pretty short distance. Um, and I'd really, really have to take care of my limb, probably like go running and then be off it for the rest of the day, be on crutches or a wheelchair or something. Um, but I haven't had great success running long distances with my limb. Interesting. Still, still, um, still amazing, man. Ah, Lord. I, you know, I, if you and I could talk forever, I seriously, I could, <laughs> we could go on. I, 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 I'm trying to. Cause I know, I know we got recent Ian to tell me what, cause I could ask him more questions, but I'm feeling we'd go after one o'clock. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, all, it's yeah. all good, man. I mean, if, uh, I, I, if there's I, anything I want, else you want to get to, we got a little bit of time. I did. I, I well, just, and the other thing is, I mean, yeah, there's a ton more stuff to add with, you know, the, not the struggles, but the stuff I've experienced on the police department being an amputee, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, but we could save that for another day if you guys want well, to do, do, do this. Do, do say you know at the end here because we can add all this in together you know if there's anything because there's guys out there and i know you know them and i know you've gone through you know we've texted a few times a couple times when you mm-hmm. you were going through some not not bad stuff but you know or like man you feel mm-hmm. a little down or but mm-hmm. t- how tell people how to how to pick themselves up so it is you, you to so to overcome those things overcome when because you still have days where it that yeah that pain still gets to you i know you've even told me yeah man, man this thing fucking hurts today and I, yeah. I, I, it's been so long and it's still but then how do, how do you overcome that? I mean, just something the the young younger guys out there, the ones that are thinking about joining, the ones that are going through their own university that may have may have yeah. their own injuries, that they're they're not being able to handle it. What would you tell them, man? You know, um, it it sounds dumb, but it's just a, a don't quit. It's a don't yeah. quit attitude, um, and that's not to say it's it's twenty four seven because there's many other things that come into play. Is um, you having a a can do type attitude saying, Hey, I can do this. Or, you know, there was a, there's a guy that lost both his legs. That's a cop somewhere in New York right now, uh, upstate, I believe. Um, and he's a street cop. You know, it's kind of like if you put your mind to it, you, your body tells your mind what to do. Yeah. No matter what it is. Um, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything regardless of what you've got going on. Second. Um, and this is you know pretty big is having support structure for those days that you are down whether it's calling your buddy Chris or texting him, your wife, your kids, you know, uh, a local support group, um, having some sort of support to pick you up when you're down, uh, push you when you need a foot in your ass, 
for me, that's been <laughs> for me, that's been my wife. You yeah, know, she's, she's always awesome. been there. She's, you know, you want to talk about uh, an inspiring person? That would be my wife putting up with putting up with me and my issues, and she still pushes me to be better. You know, my daughter, my son, the same way. They just by them being there, they they support me. And they don't even know it. But my wife, you know, overtly supports me. Um, so having some sort of support structure. And that is also, you know, I know a lot of guys are uh, kind of hemming and hawing about it. Go into like a group or a counselor. Get this crap off your chest. Talk to somebody about it. Don't bottle it up. Um, you know. Um, yeah, I agree. So having like, you know, uh, keeping yourself accountable and then having people that will keep you accountable and support you is probably the biggest keys I can think of. Dude, dude, that's, that's, well, I, that's amazing. I, I tell guys that all the time. Uh, well, you got to talk about it. You got to, you got you to gotta say something. You got to, you got to mm-hmm. say it. You, you can't just, you can't just let it eat up at you and, you know, stop, stop trying to be that tough guy. I think a lot of guys get that now though. I think a lot of, a lot of people out there don't, will, will because of guys like yourself will, will get out right. there and talk about their, their issues and their family, dude. I, I get it. I, the, the guys that the, and when I say guys, 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 I mean, men and women out there, mm-hmm. the guys that are having issues are the ones that don't have that family support structure. that don't have right. a good relationship with their wife. that don't yeah. have a good relationship with their mm-hmm. family. And they, they don't see that. They, they think it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's my post-traumatic stress. No, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's what happened to me. It's, I'm so angry, but 90% of the time, and that was with me too. And I couldn't deal with it. I wasn't estranged from my wife. My wife and I were divorced. We, we reconciled yeah. when we reconciled, things got better. That yeah. and people, the guys don't see that because we're all tough no. guy, alpha males. That, True. Yeah. yeah and and uh, the community is getting better about that. They're getting better about, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta adjust fire. You can't be, you can't range or smash everything. Or you, know, you can't, uh, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, yeah. it's good to have that, that mindset, like, Hey, I can get through this, but you've got to, based off things in your life, you've got to adjust fire. You know, you can't be that riff snorting team leader anymore because your wife needs you to be at home and not out drinking with the boys and, you know, partying and doing 150 miles an hour on your bike down the road. You know, I mean, you got to kind of adjust fire uh, for your family life, not not just for your family life, but for you to have a quality of life after the military. Very Um, You can keep some of the same things, but you need to, there was something else I was going to say. Um, <laughs> it was along the lines of a just fire, but you know, squirrel. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, all good. Man. I mean, I, I think all of that, all of that is really well said, and, and I is, think our bro. audience is going to appreciate it. And, and that is some true inspiration. That no matter what you're getting, no matter what you're going through in life, you can persevere. And and also, yeah. it sounds like you're the type of guy who's a real asset to the police department. And we didn't we didn't get into get we didn't get into it this episode really. But I think especially with what's going on, we've spoken about it on previous shows. There's guys who who don't have experience in combat like you, and with everything going on, they're they're possibly overwhelmed with the rioting, with the protesting, sure. and and it's too much for them to handle. And and that's when bad decisions are made in kind of the heat of the moment. You you seem like the type of guy who's able to tell. The guys that you serve with in, in the police department, you know, they, that you've seen worse and that we can get through this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, although it has been an eye opener being a street cop because it's amazing what uh, Americans do to other Americans or just people what people do to other people. Um, it's, it's sickening. It's disheartening. 
Um, oh, I know what I was going to say earlier. Look at that. The squirrel came back. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, you know, when you're looking to change, you know, or you want change, you can't expect your support group or you can't expect, like, if I needed something, Chris isn't going to know if I don't speak my mind. I can't expect uh, somebody else to change me or make it happen. It's got, you've got to be the one that's open to it. And that's probably the biggest bridge uh, for some people to cross is making that for, you know, not just the first step, but keeping those steps going towards yeah. that change. It's got to yeah. be you. You've got to be open to it. Oh, well, now nah, well say, and that's, that's the alpha male problem. That's, that's the cat. I, I can't change it. Or else needs to change around me. I'm doing everything right. Well, no, no, it's, that's not the case at all. And when guys realize that, and it comes with wisdom, it comes with age with me. It, it took me to be almost 30 because I'm only 31 right now <laughs> to be, to figure, to figure You're younger than me, bro. No, but, but it, it does come with wisdom it, with age comes, cause <clears throat> comes wisdom. And, and it also becomes confidence and assurance within yourself that, you know what? I, you're right. I, I I do have some issues. I do have problems. I do right. need to get, fig, figure them out. And for the best of my family and my kids, I got to get them right, or I'm not going to have a family and kids. And then I'm going to regret that when I'm 80, going, damn it, what the hell happened? We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, so, nah, brother. Well, and I met your, yeah, you know, I, you know, I met your, your wife's so awesome. I don't know, if she, dude. I don't know if she put up with your ass on a good day. I don't know what the, but that, that's the beauty of a ranger wives are the most amazing, amazing wives in the world. Cause they put up with our shit. They do. So, and they, they keep us grand. They keep us strong. Ranger wives are amazing for every, yeah. every bat boys wife out there. You guys are fucking phenomenal. And now I thank you for your services yeah, out there. Right. Your wives yeah, bro. Uh, bro well, this, yeah, this has I, been great, man. And this has been awesome. We'll, we'll do a part two. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll do a part okay. two because I know we have uh, Jim West coming on later this month, so we're gonna have people on for a second time now that we're almost forty episodes into this. As crazy as it is, cool. and uh, for the listeners out there, if you want to follow Matt and maybe get some inspiration, Matt is on Instagram. Instagram at Hop Along Waters, two T's in waters. So. Hop along. W-A-T-T-E-R-S. And yeah, man, really appreciate you coming on and, and honestly really appreciate you going into detail with everything. Sometimes guys uh don't want to re- really relive these moments the way that you did with us and, and I appreciate you doing so. Yeah, no worries. Uh A it you know, uh, it it does. It gets the blood up talking about it, you know, you feel good, but it also uh it heals you. Every time you talk about it, you know, it heals you a little bit more too. Yep, you're right. Thanks, brother. I, 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 we haven't had somebody talk this long. I mean, we're just, I, I lost track of time. I thought we had a good <laughs> guess, but I was like, because yeah, you did it, the detail that you said. That's that's what helps. And when I'm when I was out speaking, and when I speak, I get into detail, even though it's hard. But that's what helps people. They want to hear yep. that, and it may be hard for you to talk about it. But in the end, you just, you did, you just reached somebody and, and that's, and again, Hopefully. me too, dude. No, you did you, with me, even especially with me. So I appreciate it, man. It's, it's good talking to you, brother. And, uh, man, I, I appreciate everything you did for me as a, as a, even the short time I was there when I was a private before I got stupid and became an officer after I got my tab, <laughs> dude, you guys, you, you guys like yourself and Bach and, and Hickerson and, and, and like, yeah. And, yeah. and you're right. And Sergeant Wheeler, cause he was just, he was just an E5 at the time when I, you guys are the ones I looked up to and that's, that's what helped me get through the things I went through. And so thank you. I just want to say thank you to you guys. Cause you guys mean a lot to me. Yeah. My pleasure. Well, the guys you named are, I still talk to those guys and they're good people. 
good dude hickerson's a stud too dude i hated that mm-hmm. some bitch out of five but he was so mean but, <laughs> but he really you know once you once he knew you were good to go he was top notch and and i know he did he went to do some some other cool things after i talked to him after he did a phenomenal as well so yeah you tell those guys still see him tell them hi from me please and do. i don't think they have my new my new cell if you if they want it please pass it on to them because I, sure. I changed it up okay cool all right buddy thanks matt all right gents great talking to you really enjoyed doing that episode with matt really appreciate him going into detail with everything and uh wrapping things up here once again, Fort Scott Munitions lets us do what we do, and we appreciate them being on board every month with us. They're a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market Market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. I should throw out there, um, you know, because all your classes, you shoot Fort Scott Munitions. There are some courses, not with you, but with Ben Morgan, right? If people go to chrisTontoperanto.net. Yeah, they, they are. Check them out. There are some courses that I will be in Indiana, Fort Worth, coming up in November. And then we also, I also have a private course. Uh, it's private, so I'm not even going to say it. But Indiana <laughs> and Fort Worth, I'll be I'll be still at courses as well for the full battle line cadre. But you're correct. Ben has his own standalone courses and tremendous instructor. Go teach it. Go, go learn from him and go shoot with him. Awesome, man. And if you guys are looking to shoot Fort Scott munitions in your own life, whether it's for home defense hunting, uh, or just going to the range. It's the best out there. Use exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. I say it all the time. We purposely are not on Patreon or any of that. We are not looking for money from listeners to keep this thing going. So if you want to support us, whether it's buying a shirt or supporting our great sponsors like Fort Scott. That's what keeps us going. So Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. Uh, and these have been some great shows, man. I'm glad that you made the connection for us to, to get on with Matty Waters. And we didn't even really get into uh, how you guys linked up. So maybe next time we'll do that. Uh, but we yeah, got some great yeah. shows in store for the rest of the month. Um, a lot of people in studio. Uh, we've got Brad Thor also coming on. Oh so yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, bro. I, bro, I, I appreciate. I appreciate we got Maddie in at the last minute here, but said so that's that's one of the guys that people out there don't you don't know about and their amazing stories because there isn't a lot on media out there, and he doesn't want that. He, you know. But that being said, you another one of those unspoken heroes that has overcome, and then those around him that night got him out of there and then actually they did finish the objective they did kick the shit out of the out of that base they they completely annihilated all the enemy out there and they did it with all that adversity and maddie was just one you know maddie was hurt uh, seriously but they still accomplished the mission 
you know, though I be the lone survivor. And they did. So he, he's an amazing individual, and I'm glad we got him on. I, I was in, in awe of his story and just just the mindset that he had. Like, when you get hit with, you got hit with an RPG and took your leg off, and you're telling yourself not to panic. Holy <laughs> shit, that's amazing. I just, that's me, that's just fucking That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs>